some of the glass from the mirror had cut the granddaughter's foot, so she ran upstairs. Blood got tracked all over the house. I'm 19. I'm very green in this industry, and they're allowing me to handle a claim that's going to be in the near half million dollar settlement range and just being completely in over my head, but loving every minute of it because I'm like, I've hit it big time. Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And in this show, I interview young business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals in all kinds of different areas and talk about the things that have allowed them to be so successful and a little bit about their background. Today, my guest is Zach Hovelman. And Zach, I had you here to talk about your business and kind of your journey so far. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really cool how we kind of found each other. We found each other just very organically over social media. You're here in Orlando with your business. And I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, just scrolling through TikTok for a few minutes while I had some time and came across it and I loved the the hot take and that uh, brought me here because I was in, somewhat in an agreement with pretty much all of it. And yeah, so I was like, oh, let me just say what's up, see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it got us here today and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, same. All right. So I wanted to start with just your background, getting into what you do now. You've got an interesting story. You didn't start out here in Florida. Could you get into that a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, so I was, I was actually born in Florida, but I was raised in Texas. So I really claim Texas as, as my home. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my family is born and raised there. I was, uh, was in high school around 16 or so. And put, was my parents ended up pulling me out because of the school district was kind of just going down the drain. And uh, my dad at the time uh, had started getting into what's called the insurance claims business, which is for a really simple understanding of what that is. When you have homeowner's insurance uh, and you have to file a claim for roof damage or something like that, there's a claims adjuster that's hired to come out and do the inspection. Um, So that's what my dad was getting into was that space. Um, And so I ended up just doing roof inspections with him uh, as a 16 year old climbing up on roofs, checking those things out, having some fun with that. Uh, And then realized that there was some real opportunity and he started realizing that as well. Um, so I ended up getting licensed right after I turned 18 and went full into it. Uh, and then what led me out to Florida was a, a small uh, tornado that hit in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, and so wow. I got to just come out for a week. And I actually ended up, it was really weird because the tornado happened in Lakeland. And so the people that were working for the contract that we had, they went to Lakeland to handle all that. And they needed somebody in Orlando. So I ended up in Orlando for a week over by Universal. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I stayed there for a week and just kind of fell in love with Central Florida. Yeah. And I remember driving back to Texas like, man, I think I, I would love to live out here and literally moved uh, that July. So that was literally wow. from May to July. I ended wow. up making that decision and moved out here the the weekend of my 19th birthday. Uh, so it's like July of 2011. So I've been out here ever since. Yeah. Have you always been someone who acts fast on stuff like that? Oh, yeah. So it's uh, I think there's a uh, I forget the famous real estate guy, but he's like the ready fire aim kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's always been me just going to dive into something and I'll figure it out uh, as we figure it out. So so the ready fire aim guy. Yeah. So yeah. So one of those one of the, the phrases that's always kind of hung with me was that ready fire aim get something done, kind of just take that that whole mentality. There was a book I read 
that my dad actually handed to me one time. He's like, I think this is your owner's manual. If you ever <laughs> need one, he's like, you're probably going to need to give this to your wife at some point uh, when you find her. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if it's a book uh, called Rhinoceros Success by Scott Armstrong. It's a really, Rhinoceros Success? Yeah, it's a red book. It's really thin. It's probably 100, it's 100 pages or so. You can read it in about an hour. But I actually have a tattoo of it. Uh, oh, cool. And it's, I just call it the rhino mentality, which is just head down, hard charging getting things done and love it you know figure it out as as we go and uh, that's kind of been the the course of my life it's a it's a great reminder and it's it's just something that i can resonate with uh you know it's being tough skinned and i mean there's so many different uh, metaphors yeah that. yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah very cool yeah so you come out here to florida and very quickly and uh it just love it right away. And what did your first role in Florida look like? Yeah. So I moved out here in 2011, uh, with the opportunity of expanding my, my dad's existing claims business. Uh, and so again, a 19 year old, never being on his own, figuring out how to expand a business that he's never, (laughs) he's only been in for about a year or so. We quickly started growing, uh, and had some really interesting claims experiences. One of the craziest ones I still have ever had was Right here in my, like I, I, was, I was still staying in the hotel before I actually moved into the house when this actually happened. So it was like literally my first two weeks in Florida of wow. living here. And uh, it was a very high net worth client uh, out in the Isleworth, Windermere area, like just around the corner from Shaq's old house, you know, the big blue mm-hmm. uh, tile house. And the homeowner was like a, an antique dealer. So she had all this crazy expensive uh, furniture. And uh, the claim essentially was this mirror had fallen off the wall. Uh, the mirror was valued at about $150,000. Oh. Yeah, crazy. Oof. Yeah. Uh, it had fallen uh, and shattered, uh, damaged the flooring, but there were the, the granddaughter that was at the house with the grandmother, um, actually the, the uh, some of the glass from the mirror had cut the granddaughter's foot, so she ran upstairs. Not a terrible cut, but blood got tracked all over the house. And to give you an idea how big this house was, uh, the, the granddaughter ran up into the primary bedroom, master bedroom, whatever you want to call it, master suite. The bedroom, the closet, and the bathroom were about 3,000 square feet just in that. Wow. <laughs> yes, massive home. Sure. Yeah, all those crazy things. But uh, it was such a unique experience because of, first off, I'm 19. I have, I, I'm very green in this industry, and they're allowing me to handle a claim that's going to be in the near half-million-dollar settlement range, uh, dealing with a guy that's been doing it for 40 years that was representing the homeowner Wow! Uh, and just being completely in over my head, but loving every minute of it. Cause I'm like, this is crazy. I'm, I moved out to Florida. I've, I've hit it big time. <laughs> I'm, <Yeah>. I'm handling <laughs> these claims next door to shack, like yeah. all these, these cool things. And then like getting home and like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I got here, but yeah. what do I do what now? What do I do now? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like just that whole mentality of, yeah, I'll handle it. I have no idea how to, but we'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, just ended up being a really cool learning experience. And I still, to this day, don't think I've had a claim that large, uh, yeah. or that at least interesting. I've had some fun ones, but that one was definitely the most interesting. That is so, very unique. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. sounds, um, that sounds like that would have just been an insane way to start just oh my gosh. all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, there, cause there was liability issues because it wasn't the the, the granddaughter didn't live there. She was just staying with the grandmother and the granddaughter was terrified that she was going to get in trouble because they thought that she might have uh, been the one that caused the mirror to fall. But the problem with that is the insurance policy doesn't just cover random falling objects. It has to be acted on. So I'm like, if she did knock it over, that's going to allow the coverage where if she didn't, there's no coverage available. Wow. So it was like, it was a whole thing there and there with her being cut you know, by the glass or whatever, there was a a whole thing of like, are they going to have an, a liability claim? Is the 
the, you know, the, the, the dad of the, the daughter actually going to have an issue with this. There was, it was a, a crazy mess of details that very complicated. to this day, I've never had anything so complex. Yeah. And I, I'm still to this day, I'm like, man, I'm not quite sure if I, I would really want to take that on. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. But. Well, that sets us up well to talk about something we had kind of mentioned off air, which is that you mentioned in this industry, you have to just be incredibly detailed with the reporting of everything. Yeah. yeah so the, the, the insurance industry in Florida is is highly, highly litigious. And to kind of give you some some context to that, as of right now, say the United States as a whole, out of all of the insurance claims that go to litigation, Florida by itself holds like 76% of that uh, in, yeah. in total, which that's is, insane. I mean, if you think about that, that's a, that's a crazy number. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, oh, I, I, I want to say the numbers as far as like the average state has like around less than a thousand claims that go to litigation and Florida is like over a hundred thousand. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so with that being in Florida, being in as part of the, that whole industry, the insurance industries, you have to be a diligent note taker. But the biggest thing is that it's just what I've learned in this this 10 years plus of doing it is focusing on just p- doing the right thing. That's mm-hmm. really what's kind of actually, you know, prevented me from having any issues as far as litigation goes. We've out of the 5,000 plus claims that I actually ins- I did over my, my career path in the, in the claim side, it's only actually subpoenaed four times uh, for reporting or whatever that they needed to have. And then actually ended up going to, uh, to be deposed twice in which more so it wasn't even coming after me, they just needed to get the full story, the full picture. Uh, and so it was one of those things that to be an, an insurance adjuster and to only be subpoenaed four times from a 5,000 claim, you know, career. Pretty good odds. It, yeah. It's, uh, and it, I, I really own that or put that up to just reporting well for one, but then just doing the right thing and making sure the client understands what's going on and making sure they're fully aware of where things stand and setting their expectations. Really clear communication. Yeah, that's a huge thing in this industry. And it, it can it can really save you from a lot of headache, for sure. What are some other tips you have on the reporting, like getting yeah. specific? Yeah, so very f- for specifically just in the insurance industry, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, is notating just about every interaction. Any question they have, having it in writing or on a recorded line or... You know, we, you know, as far as the recorded line stuff, I'm not a big fan of that because, because of the Florida's recording, you know, it's a, it's a two party state, two parties have to give consent, all that stuff. I don't like to put our clients in that position. So I, when we talk about something on the phone, like, I'm going to email you this, can you just confirm you've gotten it? Um, Or, all right, I'm talking to you about this. I want you to be aware of those things. I'm also going to notate it in my file and just clearly explicitly saying those things so that they're just aware of it. And they're like, okay, so that if something happens and you don't remember. Remember, we had this conversation. I explicitly told you these specific things, and mm-hmm. you speci- uh, explicitly agreed to them. And those sort of things like that have just gone a, a, a long way for us. Uh, even with our referral partners and stuff like that, we've had you know things where clients go back to referral partners and say, "Hey, they haven't contacted me. They haven't done this." And I'm and you know they'll reach out to us because we always want to have that feedback. Mm-hmm. And then you know me or my my claims uh, or my uh, agency admin we'll send them our, literally what we call our activity log that we put in everything. And like, here's every date and everything that we talked yeah. about. And send what the date, receipts. Yeah. And it's essentially <laughs> that it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Their clients just having a bad day or whatever. Yeah. So it, uh, it definitely saves our butt a lot of time on that stuff. Very cool. So another thing you mentioned in there is the referral partners. That's something else I wanted to dive into a little bit. You said kind of off air that you've really gotten very far with some strategic referral partners. Yeah. So uh, our referral partners are you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say everything, but they're a massive piece to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we very much 
build really good relationships with our referral sources. Um, that's one of the things I do every year is I, I take all of our referral, our platinum referral partners and do some kind of Christmas dinner of some sort. Cool. Um, yeah, it's been a really cool, interesting thing. So one of my favorite stories is the, my very first platinum referral partner, uh, his name's Jared Dennison. He's a real estate agent here in central Florida, an amazing one on top of that. Just Jared Dennis, Dennison, Dennison. Okay. Yeah. I know a Jared Dennis. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Jared, <laughs> Jared Dennison. He's uh, just an amazing real estate agent. Um, Right when I opened up my agency in March of 2020, again, this is, you know, literally two weeks into the the pandemic, like everything got shut down, all of that stuff. I'm just trying to build my referral network. And, you know, one of the big things like Gary V style, just DM and everybody and mm-hmm. consistently getting no, no, not interested. Stop texting me, whatever. Yeah. And just, ha- I mean, literally I did this for probably four or five hours that day, just sitting, you know, trying to f- drum up some sort of business and came across Jared's uh, Instagram page and saw that he was, uh, he's a vet, he works with real estate agents, or uh, works with vets and uh, just, you know, what his, his, his slogan is serving those who serve. So he's all about awesome. first responders, all that stuff. He's a re- really awesome guy in that sense. And I was like, I wasn't really feeling it. I was like, you know what, let me just do one more. So I know I, I like, I can't anymore. I'm gonna do one last one. If it's the last no, I'll, I'll take it, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be done for the day. And so I sent him a message on Instagram. And then I saw that his number was there. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make it hurt. So like, let's call him. <laughs> and so uh, I called him and he picked up was the nicest guy. One of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. We really connected over the military stuff just because my dad was in the Navy. Uh, he's, he was in the military, uh, went over to Iraq, all that stuff. So we talked a lot about that, had a, had a, a very similar kindred hearts in that space, as far as just like giving back to those that have given so much to us. Um, and then that relationship, uh, essentially sparked a, a spider web of other relationships. And just that one connection actually ended up giving us like 35% of our revenue for the first year of my business being open. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool thing. We, when, we, and when I did the invite to our first Christmas party, uh, I, I started looking through those numbers and I just like was baffled. I'm like, man, that all started with my connection yeah. with Jared. Just so. taking it through to that one last one. Yeah. And really just going to my wits ends of just like, all right, I got one, one in me and one last one in me and I'm gonna go for it. And so glad I did. And it's been a, it's been a huge, a huge relationship for us. And we still talk about it and laugh about it every Christmas. We just like, man, it's crazy. Cause it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, as we've done all that. So it's been really, that's cool. awesome. And the, the cool thing with the referral program is it's just very mutually beneficial for yeah. both sides. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how we, we, you know, my biggest thing is I, I, I pride myself on not paying for leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want my, our relationships to be that bond and that bridge. Uh, and it's, and it's specifically a bridge goes both ways. Like mm-hmm. if you need something for me or whatever, whatever we can provide me doing a good job should be significantly enough for you to want to send business to me and vice versa. Uh, it, has, it doesn't have to be a transactional. It can be very relational based. It's much more organic that way yeah. too. Yeah. Well, when problems arise, there's a relationship there that's able to work through those things too, because that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. And you mentioned before that you really try to focus on staying away from a hard close when you're dealing with clients. I feel like that kind of segues into just talking about the way you do things differently a little bit. That's something else we had talked about. Yeah. So we, uh, we really do pride ourselves in the not hard close, uh, agency or what, you know, just in, in general, uh, it's just not my personality. I've tried it. I've done it. I don't like how it feels for one. Um, but regardless of how it feels, I don't like how it makes our clients feel because they feel very forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means they're going to need to be forced every time. Yeah. Now there's a difference between 
closing somebody and helping them get to a point where they can make a decision. Um, and so we really focus on that side of it. We take the time to figure out what's important to them. We figure out, you know, what their situ- situation really looks like. You know, one of the, our, our focuses is getting what we call full capture of wallet or business, meaning we want to look at the entire thing. That doesn't mean we're going to take all of the business or, uh, or we, we need all the business to work with them. We just want to look at it and make sure we've got the best viewpoint to be able to advise them properly. Um, one of the big things for me is I don't call myself an insurance salesman. I call myself an insurance advisor. Um, I really try to walk people through what, you know, what the potentials are, see how risk tolerant they really are, talk to them about those details, and then they can ask a million questions. They're not going to annoy me because I know if they're asking questions and they're talking to me, they're not on the phone with somebody else, which is a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, but then on top of that, it gives us both the opportunity to build a relationship. I can understand their point of view a little bit more because of how they ask the questions or what they ask. And then on top of that, we can have a, a very candid conversation of like, you actually have a really good deal at this with this. It's not going to benefit me ultimately, which I'm okay with, but this is the best deal for you. And I think you should go with that. And that trust is there because when that deal is no longer the best deal or they don't think it is, they call me first. Cause you and did right by them. Exactly. We, we get it all the time. I appreciate the upfront honesty. That's a huge thing that we don't see in this industry anymore. And it's, it's really true. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's something that I really do pride ourselves in. And thing is it comes at a, ma- a major sacrifice. So mm-hmm. guys that aren't doing that at a are doing the hard close and stuff are closing a significant amount of business uh, with that. Um, they're, they're doing 15, 20 K 30 K in new business a month, but we're sitting at like three, five or 7,000. Um, but the reason uh, we do that is for what I do on the back end to make up for that, which is simply doing acquisitions. So instead of going and trying to sell three to four or 500 policies a year, we actually acquire books of business for people that are retiring or just wanting to get out of the business in general. Um, and we've, it's the growth has been exponential uh, with that. So, you know, the average agent sells anywhere between, you know, three and 600 policies a year. Uh, we've since January have acquired over 1700 uh, in that acquisition space and all cash flowing it and, you know, literally hardly any, hardly any debt on the business or anything like that. Uh, and that's really how we focus. And so what that's doing for us is we're buying the cash flow, but then we're also acquiring their relationships because one of the biggest things for me when we buy a book of business, I want to have the relationships that are part of that. So we we dive in and actually as the renewals come up, we say, hey, watch your book of business this year. But the biggest thing is we want to get to know you. We're not a turn and burn agency. We want to review everything with you. So I want to first get to know you how, you know, this is me, this is me. This is my background. Go through that whole thing. And then my entire office is, you know, this is how you get in contact with us. Like we go through that whole bit and it's it's been really good. We've actually sustained or uh, what we call retained 89% of the business we've we've acquired over. Wow. Uh, it's uh, it's been been a lot of fun. So. That's really impressive. Yeah. So that sounds like as you're there's a lot to get into here. Yeah. I'll start <laughs> with uh, how did you choose that you wanted to make your first acquisition and what did that first acquisition look like? Yeah, so it was uh, I initially wanted to get into the the insurance agency side. So I guess let's just back up. So uh, so claims adjuster, we were doing really well in that space. Uh, we were like clockwork doing 60 plus claims a month, which uh, was was high volume. Again, is kind of the, we'll dive into that piece later as far as the healthy versus unhealthy, you know, working environment. But um, I was starting, you know, with the claims business, I was starting at zero every month and every year. And so that, I knew I didn't want to have to do that forever. And so when it, uh, I got the, you know, the idea of owning an insurance agency, it's a very similar, but, you know, pivot in that, in that space knowledge I already know. I knew I would do right by our clients because that's just in my DNA to do those things. Um, 
And I had the idea of like, I want to buy an existing book because the cash flow will already be there. But then also, uh, I know I don't want to be, I don't want to have to close people to eat. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a big thing. Yeah. And the hardest part was when I started out uh, with our agency, I did start from what we call a scratch agency. So I, my first day was, I was at $0. Uh, and wow. I actually had a lender lined up uh, to, to get everything going uh, so that we could just sustain ourselves a little bit and more so sustain the business. My wife was a, a, as a nurse and was working at the time to help us sustain us personally, which is incredibly helpful. Um, but uh, what's crazy is we, we started, we launched, went live in March of 2020, March 2nd. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and as you know, Ooh, two weeks, I know two weeks, something else that happened around that yeah, time. So, you know, COVID-19 shut the entire country down two weeks in. Um, Crazy. And, which was scary enough. I uh, put a lot of money into this uh, agency to get off the ground. You know, my, my marketing plan was to go out and network and have lunch with people, play golf, all those things. I had a lender lined up to help kind of assist with paying for that. And uh, nobody wanted to go eat. Nobody wanted yeah. to meet up. And so I was like, man, I'm going to have to learn how to build relationships over the phone, mm -hmm. which is really difficult. But the hardest part about that was my lender actually had to back out. Um, and right. they were a, f a family friend. And so I, I, one of the biggest things for me was putting in the relationship of the friend first before the business. And I was like, I get it. I understand you, you know, whatever you need to do, we'll, I'll figure it out. It's mm -hmm. not your business. I get it. So let, yeah. you know, let her make that decision. Um, she was really gracious in that and was very thankful, which, you know, for me, it's like, it's just, I'll figure it out. That's my mentality. It's not going to be the end of me. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to do the one thing I really didn't want to have to do, which I got to start cold calling people mm -hmm. and start, I got to start selling policy. Build it from the ground up. And so, um, so I just got incredibly disciplined in that process. And that's what led me to eventually reaching out to Jared and all of that. And so that phone calls, I mean, I literally had a very specific thing I would do on a daily basis. So I would, uh, Monday through Friday, I would literally uh, reach out to, uh, I would talk, make it a goal to talk to five different loan officers because those would be the main referral sources. Right. Um, then I would make sure I get at least one lead from somebody, uh, whether that be a friend, or a loan officer, or whatever. And then I would quote multiple lines with that 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 lead I got. So it would be home, auto, flood, and umbrella. Regardless if they needed it or one, I was going to do everything I could because again, that took one you know one lead to four leads. Now maybe I have a lot higher chance of closing it. Mm -hmm. And I did that, uh, and I wouldn't go home until I did that, uh, all four of those, or all three of those things. Um, and those were really tough days, but I only had to do that. Uh, if I did it consistently, uh, which, or I should say, I did it consistently enough that I only had to do it for 60 days. Okay. And I've never done it again. Wow. Um, it was one of those things I chose to do, one of the hardest things I ever had to do, which is yeah. get on the phone and just build relationships with mm -hmm. people. And it was one of those things I had to, I did have to hard close a little bit in the beginning because it was just like, I got to eat. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and so, and I got to make sure this business will pay for itself because, mm -hmm. you know, expenses were minimal, but I still got to close something in order to, to pay the bills and whatnot. Um, and so doing that consistently and doing the things I didn't want to do, but for the betterment of what was, you know, the business in whole, um, that's, I mean, that's essentially just what it took was just doing those things consistently. But uh, over that time period, I got really burnt out because I'm like, man, I just don't want to be selling policies all the time. This mm -hmm. is not what I wanted to do. I don't want to be the guy that's just like, hey, let me quote you a policy and do a transaction and then yeah. get paid on it. I really wanted to be the relational person. I really wanted to focus on that. Uh, and so my business kind of flatlined. Uh, 
and I didn't, I just kind of was just going through it mediocrely, just not really enjoying it, uh, trying to figure out something. And then, uh, we got an opportunity. Uh, I was talking to a referral source of mine that I'd recently met. We we're still bu- kind of building a relationship. And she's like, a friend of mine has an agency for sale. Would you be interested or has an agency that they can't get somebody to run it because their agency principal essentially just, they parted ways. And she's like, would you be interested in, uh, you know, helping them run it? And I was like, I'll be interested in buying it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they're like, okay, wow. we'll see if they're interested. So we, we got on the phone and literally it was a 20 minute conversation of like, yeah, we like you. Let's, uh, let's see if we can strike a deal. And so started doing the due diligence of, you know, seeing what the agency's worth, the value of it, trying to figure out the funding, which was, uh, a bit hectic. I had a lender lined up for the closing. And then, uh, when I sent them the contract to, to sign every, the lender, the contract, uh, they were supposed to, I was expecting a text of like, Hey, it's signed. You should have in your inbox to, Hey, we're backing out of the deal. Damn. And I had, and that was three days before closing. Um, so I had to find another one. Thankfully I had somebody that's been, uh, an absolute rock in our lives since then. He's just, he's been a, uh, an amazing just partner for us. And I mean, uh, we're actually, it was kind of cool. He lent us money and, uh, for this agency and we're now actually going to be, uh, bringing him on as an equity partner because that's he, just, awesome. he took a big, big bet on me. Mm-hmm. And um, he's seeing the potential of it now. Um, so that acquisition was a, a huge one in comparison to what we've done uh, over the last couple ones that we've acquired. Um, that one was a it was 1.6 million in premium, uh, which wow. sounds like a larger number than what it really is. Yeah. So like from the cash flow to us is about uh, on the low end is around 75 to 100 thousand dollars a year. Okay. Uh, in, in actual cash flow to us, and we we it's bought still that. Awesome. Yeah, it ended up being a, a great deal for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, that that f- first acquisition was a, was a was a huge one because we went from essentially like 400 policies to uh, 15 or 1600. Yeah, it was 1100 policies we bought, uh, and I just didn't have the infrastructure to handle that uh, instantly. That's what I was going to get into because yeah. it sounds like you would have to kind of start building out a team to be able to handle that. Yeah, and so I knew we were going to be you know in this time of acquiring it, I'd brought on. Uh, my right-hand guy that was in my claims business. Uh, he's now our agency admin and, uh, people love Chris. He's, he's our, he's basically the, one of the best people to get on the phone. Cause he just knows how to just have a relationship with somebody. That's it's, perfect. it's really great. I, I love Chris. He's been my rock. And on top of that, he cares for my wife, and my baby and like, make sure we're like, we schedule all of it. There's days it's funny. He'll put in my calendar, like take a 10 minute walk, go, go take a break, you know, yeah. all those things. Um, but I brought him on, uh, a, a few months before that, anticipation of uh, in anticipation of wanting to actually like build this agency and like i want to start doing acquisitions and all that and this one first one just kind of fell in our lap as far mm-hmm. as happenstance We're like all right this is a big one let's let's see if we can make it happen and uh, i remember telling him like all right the this book's going to transfer in any day now uh and i don't know what's going to happen so yeah. like let's you know because essentially it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong it <laughs> sounds like you were acquiring an amount that would make it more than double just instantly. Yeah. Tripled overnight. Triple basically. Yeah. yeah. And it, that one was being run by two agents, two licensed, That's, you know, yeah. selling agents. Whereas Chris was my admin, uh, to essentially like, he wasn't like, he doesn't sell policies. He's simply just helping me on the backside of things. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, he'll pick up the phone to like literally make us like calendar somebody or put somebody on our calendar. Like that was it. But I'm like, yeah. we need people like when they're calling to be able to pick up and like, mm-hmm. respond and stuff. We don't want to be the agency that just doesn't pick up or keep yeah. hold of. Um, and so I said, I have no idea what that's going to look like. So just be ready for it. And he has been an amazing asset in that regard. Um, just the, the amount of organization he has brought to our team, 
uh, is invaluable. Um, and he, I tell him that every day. That's <laughs> he knows awesome. that. So um, it's one of those things that's just been uh, a huge piece of that is just having, you know, it's that ready, fire, aim kind of thing of just like, let's just do it. We'll figure it out as we go along. Here's some things we've learned. So the next one we do, and it's, we've, you know, again, it's like, it's kind of just a, a trend in my life. The, the big things happen first. I've learned from it now. It's like, all right, it's something a little more manageable, but now it's just a lot more fun because we've got, we've got the systems in place and uh, we just closed home one uh, in, on June 17th and we're closing on the next one on August 18th. That's amazing. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So something I had thought of as you were kind of explaining all the acquisitions that you've done kind of lined up is just the, you know, the process of starting the acquisitions, talking about a little bit more about your plan going forward for the acquisitions. Yeah. So we, we really like to focus on relationships. I mean, that, I can't stress that enough, like focusing on, you know, how we build relationships with our clients, our referral partners, and then other agents too, because it's, it's a crazy market right now. Um, if you're, you know, any of the insurance agents that I know are real estate agents or mortgage lenders know the insurance is just a wild, what we call the wild, wild west uh, in Florida anyways, as far as the insurance industry goes, Florida is the wild west of, of insurance. And, um, the agents have a really, they just have a tough time right now. They're, they're, you know, clients rates are just skyrocketing. You got carriers dropping out left and right. We've had four, uh, that have dropped out in this, this year, uh, three on the verge, and there was a report that 27 are being uh, uh, reviewed for downgrading potentially. I mean, it's just a, a wild thing right now. Um, and so what that's causing is like this this massive just kind of like people questioning if this is the career path they want. You know, there's a uh, a whole kind of just movement or whatever. Um, I forget the guy's name. I'm, I'm so sorry, but it's uh, good. The, uh, the, the, it's called 8% Nation, and the, the idea of it roughly is that 92% of insurance agents quit or or get burnout within the first three years of their... It's crazy statistic. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Uh, but, you know, you think about that, and, and it's like, okay, if that's true, how could I potentially either help or capitalize? You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, I am an entrepreneur, so it's like I see an opportunity here. And so the simplest thing is, like, how about I help people maybe figure out if this is what they really want to do. Because when you open an insurance agent, you dump a lot of money into it. And so you can get burnout very easily trying to just make this thing work. And if you don't have the natural skill set to do that, it's going to be really difficult. It's not impossible. Mm. It's difficult. So having somebody that's willing to go along with you and say, hey, here's some things that I did, you know, talking about that, that 60 day thing I did, what's just like, this requires zero thought and 99% energy. Yeah. Uh, and just effort. Mm-hmm. So like if you can do these things, there's results to do. It's that. a proven playbook that is going to get you these results if you execute on it exactly. Yeah. And doing it so consistently, uh, you it, you can do it longer. You don't have to like I did that in between the hours of nine and five. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing. I didn't have to do these crazy hours doing it. I just made sure that I was going to do those things. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the discipline I had was I'm not I wasn't going to go home until I did all of those things. However, I, there were a few days I stayed late because I just didn't quite have it done. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, I was home pretty much every day by 6 o'clock. Because you just set it up in a way where it was structured around, mostly around that amount of time, like a yeah. pretty normal work day. Yeah, because that's, I mean, I, I wanted to create the life that I wanted to have. And mm-hmm. so I was going to figure out how to work within those boundaries. But as far as the acquisitions and the growth and all of that, uh, one of my biggest things is I love connecting with other agents, ones that are just starting out, ones that are have been in for a couple of years and they've hit either they plateaued or they're just trying to like, they're starting to get burnt out. 
And so we simply just like, all right, where are you at? Like, mm-hmm. are you enjoying this? Are you, are, are you hating every day? It's like having that conversation with them. Okay. If you're hating there as a resource. Yeah. So like, you know, I've hated every day for a little while. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's like you, you work through that and you're like, all right, well, what, what do you like doing? And so you talk about those things like, okay, this is something that you could do well in the industry. It feels like you might need to push a little bit longer to get to this point. And then you could hire somebody to help you with doing the things you don't like doing, because as a business owner, you get to hire people to do things that you don't like doing Exactly. when you can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it's was just about being able to see the bigger picture and know that you'll get to that point eventually if you put in the work on the front end. Yeah. Uh, and then some people are like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, I, you know, what do you want to do at this point? You want to sell? Do you want to you know, you have somebody you want to pass it on to. And so that's really kind of where we're starting to make the acquisitions. But the primary focus of these relationships is to not acquire their business. I know that that will be a byproduct on some of them, but it's ultimately just to say, hey, like, I know where you're at. I know what you're dealing with. I've dealt with this. I want to be a, a, a resource to help you kind of think some stuff off. I had literally on my way here, had an agent that we started about the same time, he and his son, and he calls me. He's just like, you're not going to believe this interaction I just had. And he's like, all right, I'm done venting. And that's kind of it. And he just like yeah. talks about it. And then he's, he's like, all right, I'm good. Thanks for listening. And then, he, you know, hung up. And so sometimes it was, it's like that. Yeah. And so it's just like, there's a, there's a, a little community that you can build there. Uh, and again, there's a, there's so much opportunity there to, to capitalize on that and do it in a way that's really ethical, but then also just taking care of somebody. Like the fact that, you know, we had one we just bought or I say we're buying, we're closing on next month. This guy realized he just didn't want to do anymore. He's, his family's been in uh, the insurance industry for 30 years. Wow. He, uh, he started his agency on his own, uh, around the same time I did maybe a little bit later and just realized he just didn't really want to do it anymore. Uh, and so he wanted somebody that he could pass it on to. And so we, uh, you know, uh, got connected through one, another agent that I know. And so we started talking about it and, um, he was really like very thankful of like, Hey, this is awesome. Some this, this guy actually wants to take care of the clients and do a good job. Cause he's got referral sources. We're actually going to have all of his own personal insurance in there. So it's like mm-hmm. those sort of things really do matter for you know the, the, the books of business we are buying. It mattered to us because we we're going to be buying an asset that we want to maintain and, mm-hmm. and continue to grow it. So, and you were probably given that opportunity in large part because you just had strong principles that your organization was built on that he saw that my clients are going to be in good hands if I do step away. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the biggest thing is my background on the claim side. So I'm very educated in that, that space. Um, I, I'm able to edu- educate really well. On top of that, I don't have to smile and dial all day. Mm-hmm. So I'm not grasping for money. Yeah. Um, that's a huge thing that a lot of the acquisitions that we're talking about now they like that, that I'm, I'm getting on the phone with the existing clients, not mm-hmm. new ones. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not turning a revolving door essentially where we got new clients coming in, but clients constantly leaving, being frustrated. We actually call and deal with put out fires and, uh, we focus on the existing client that's already paid their premium. That's already in our book of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately we, yeah, we want, we want to sell more policies. That's a, at the end of the day, that's what we want because that allows us to be a stronger agency, allows us to make more money and create more jobs, create more, you know, opportunity for the life we want to live. But I know I can gladly and proudly say those things and know that I'm doing right by our clients first before that. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to talk about that we talked about a little bit off air is yeah. you've gone through this period of now you've had your agency for how many years now? Uh, March of 2020. So March of two 2020. And half, two and a half years, roughly. And then the time leading up to that, you've been in, in the industry for since you were 16, basically. Yeah. And you mentioned off air before that you had this kind of period where you went through where you were working incredibly hard, but it wasn't necessarily 
healthy you felt yeah. like and you had kind of a shift yeah so um I, I i've always had the desire to just build something big uh something bigger than myself uh and you know as i got older uh, and really when i moved out here to florida um coming from a very small town in Texas, like a two red light town, there's more cattle than people is one thing <laughs> I like to say. Um, there was like 35 churches in this town of 2,700 people. It was just wow. like, it was just the, <laughs> it was a really weird town. Um, but like where the, like the highest level of opportunity was working at one of the state prisons or being a manager at McDonald's. Like, yeah. and McDonald's actually came like the year or two before I left. So it wasn't wow. <laughs> so really small town, not a whole lot of opportunity. Um, but always having that desire and then moving out here to an actual city where there's, mm -hmm. you know, just like what seems to be like the land of opportunity for yeah. me, uh, you know, seeing Disney where they're like, there's these massive companies. And it's like, it's really inspiring to just like, I want to build something. Mm -hmm. um, and then the idea of like, all right, if I'm going to build something, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it all the way that, you know, that rhino mentality of just like, I'm going to put my head down, figure it out. And uh, that definitely led to a very unhealthy space uh, more so of just like my, what I did working wise. So, there was a point uh, that I was working literally from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day, wow. um, just putting in hours. Now, we were making crazy money, mm -hmm. uh, but I was the most unhappy I'd ever been. And I would, you know, I, I would really go to extremes, uh, essentially, which I would work like crazy. Then I'd take off for like a month and not just like not right. pick up my phone, not want to do anything, be really depressed. And then, all right, well, I want to go make some more money because I'm being really lazy right now and I want to go mm -hmm. back and, and not feel lazy again. So I go back and work. And uh, I was t I was talking about some of this with my agency admin yesterday because he was really part of all of that with me and just saw those things. And uh, I, I remember one specific instance. Uh, a lot of the time what I would do is uh, I didn't want to work at home a lot uh, when I would come back from inspection. So I would go like post up at like a McDonald's or something like that. And I remember a specific instance where I clocked 10 hours sitting in a McDonald's. I actually passed through two full meals, <laughs> meal times, uh, without moving. And, uh, just completely, uh, like realized like, this is not, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, cause I was doing that regularly. Um, that wasn't probably the most extreme one, but I would go and just sit for hours and, um, uh, just, uh, became an insomnia. I couldn't sleep, like literally just, uh, would sleep like two or three nights and then go into like this crazy, like, uh, panic attacks essentially. And like really kind of went through those things pretty mm -hmm. heavily. Um, and had some, yeah, the because you have that rhino mentality, you just want to keep charging ahead. But it was probably difficult for you to see what some of the downstream effects could be of just charging too too fast and too hard. Yeah, well, it was unsustainable. I mean, mm -hmm. my my body started like literally like the panic attacks and the insomnia. It was affecting me. I mean, yeah. it was affecting my mental health because like even if like the way I well, kind of just worked all through it was realizing that when my subconscious would actually relax, my actual like body would actually start to freak out. And that's what happened with the panic attacks. And Jeez. so people that have never had panic attacks, the best way I can explain it, it's your conscious mind and your subconscious mind reacting off of one another. And so it's a somewhat of a funny thing just to kind of make it lighthearted, but it's like your subconscious starts to freak out and then your conscious mind freaks out and your subconscious is like, well, he's actually freaking out. So I'm going to freak out. And then it just kind of like, you know, it volleys it, back it, and forth yeah, until you kind of get through it, which is about a 10, 15 minute thing, just depending on that. Wow. And, uh, and so that was happening regularly. And while I was trying to sleep, uh, that's, that's, Jeez. so it was just like, I get two or three hours of sleep a night and then, you know, uh, just really kind of became super unproductive. I would just have these super high highs, super low lows, 
um, and you know was had a lot of money to medicate so like I would just go have a lot of fun and then get right back into it mm-hmm. and uh, just wasn't healthy um, and so I had some really good friends that noticed that and they're just like hey man like we really like you're you're doing super well but you're you're hurting mm-hmm. and like we think you should try to just balance some things out yeah. so they really had some good people in there to help kind of start working through that. And I won't get into all those details. I, I share those things, you know, with people, but I, I don't want to do it on, on online, but, um, those things like that was a huge part was just having those good friends that were just like, they validated my work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also like, Hey man, you need, you need to get a little on the healthier side of this. You're doing well, but don't like, don't kill yourself over it. It's not worth yeah. it. Um, and so that's kind of what, led to like figuring out this balance. Uh, and it, it really ultimately took, uh, me getting married and my wife, uh, saying like, Hey, I just want you home. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know you're going to provide for us. I'm not worried about that. It's, I just, I want to be home with you. And so like our first year of marriage was really tough in that sense, because I didn't have a balance. I would work crazy. You're still kind of in that state. Yeah. Uh, and so she finally was just like, I, you got to be done by six. Like, I just, I need you mentally home by six, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Uh, and so that was just a precedent that she set. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. Cause I really, I'm very thankful for it now. And I have this discipline that we just, that's what we do. It's like six o'clock. My phone literally goes on silent mode or do not disturb now. Thanks Apple for that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome thing. Oh, I love the yeah. do not disturb. Yeah. Feature. Uh, and so we, we, I turned that on. It doesn't go, it doesn't start until 5 a.m. the next day. And so like, I have that full time with, you know, our, our 11 month old son and a new baby on the way. Like, uh, it's been a really good, like that's a much more balanced. And what's crazy is I'm significantly more effective in my, my day to day work because I know when I get to shut off, uh, and I don't have to panic throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Really, just like be super. It's probably getting way better sleep and just coming into the day sharper. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah, I, I sleep you know seven eight hours a night now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and wake up rested but ready to go. Um, and the awesome part of that is like if I do want to sleep an extra hour, I have that like ability to, to not the not the need of having to be productive. I'm like, you know what. I'm just going to sleep an extra hour just to kind of catch up on some sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Because it sounds like discipline was never your issue at all, right? You you mentioned like having these areas of these times where you were just incredibly disciplined. I mean, I, I got to go back to the 60-day thing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. the 60 days of just dialing all the time every day. Um, discipline was not your issue, it sounds like. It sounds like you just needed to figure out a way to direct it and just giving yourself a, a solid structure seems like it really helped you out. Yeah. So there's a balance there. I, I, I think ultimately it wasn't so much discipline as it was relentlessness. Um, I was relentlessly pursuing not feeling a certain way. Um, yeah. and I learned that discipline does really help with that. You don't have to be relentless all the time. Mm-hmm. You can be very disciplined, uh, and relaxed. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so that's really kind of like, what led me to this. Cause I was just like, if I'm not charging, I am, I'm worthless. Yeah. That's, that was the, the problem I had. Whereas like, no, if I'm very disciplined that it's not about worth at that point, it's just about balancing and enjoying the things that come. And so like, uh, I, you know, as far as discipline goes, it, it, I could say I was disciplined a lot of my work life and a lot of that, those things, but was undisciplined in other areas. So I, I really chalk it up to mostly just being relentless when I was at, at the helm of things and, and diving into whatever I was diving into at that time. So now do you come across moments now where 
you get frustrated that things aren't progressing in some certain area as fast as you'd like them to be? Oh, Does yeah. that happen to you? Because it sounds like something that is, it's probably something you'll always have to deal with, just wanting to be always charging ahead, but having found that you need to keep that in check a little bit. What does that, what do those moments look like and how do you combat that frustration? Yeah. So as far as just like frustrations of like what I feel is a lack of progress, it's putting it all into perspective. So um, again, I, I want to acquire agencies every month, multiple agencies a month. Uh, sure. The reality of that is be great if you could acquire one every day. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if I could, because it takes me about as long now to to sell a policy as it does to buy an agency, as That's far as amazing. just like reviewing a book and stuff. Because I've just gotten so skilled at it. Um, but the reality is, it's like, I, what's going to actually benefit in the grand scheme of things? And then one of the disciplines I had that I really started focusing on is, uh, you know, this whole relentless idea. It's it's really funny, like that word kind of like really s sat with me in the beginning of 2020 before I opened my agency, before uh, the start of COVID and all of this stuff. Um, but I was just like, uh, uh, relentless, I defined, you know, there was uh, several different definitions, but one of the biggest ones was focused, determined action again and again and again and again. I love so that. Like, so, and that's like the biggest thing there is being focused. Uh, and so like, okay, what are the things that are going to distract me? And then what my skill set needs to be at getting uh, when I get distracted because I know I can, I'm not going to be perfect and not being distracted. Uh, my skill set needs to be in getting back on the momentum of getting focused. And so that was something that I, uh, Alex Hormozzi really like defines well. I, I don't I don't use his I don't know his wording perfectly, but it's like successful people essentially learn how to regain momentum efficiently, effectively, and consistently. And it's like all right, that now allows things to go awry. Mm -hmm. things to slow down or things to change. But now I've, I have to, I, it gives me an opportunity to learn a skill set to get back on track and to build what I'm, what I'm trying to build. And I like that perspective. It means, you know, just recognizing that there are going to be little offshoots and moments where you struggle, you get, you get, you know, distracted or whatever, but just the little things that, that bring you back. What are some examples of things like that? Little tactics? Yeah tips to help you with yeah that. i mean just being an agency owner uh there's so many details we deal with everything from the the business management side of it so managing you know finances uh to you know like the licensing uh and then the actual day-to-day -day operations of excuse me uh getting what we call reshops where like a client calls in their policy skyrocketed in price or it's going to be canceled or for whatever reason we have to reshop. Those are not fun conversations because the reshops, especially right now, the rates are going to be 25 plus percent higher than what they're paying. So having to have that hard conversation with people, um, you can, you can really kind of procrastinate those and those build up. I and mean, that's a lot of agents are dealing with right now. It's like, I just don't want to deal with these reshops because it's just, oh, it's a very hard conversation. It's much easier to close new business in that sense because they're not, they're buying a new house. They don't know what the rate's going to be. So they're, the precedent's kind of like, uh, my mortgage companies tell me to budget for this much. And they set that price. Whereas like an existing client, which a lot we have right now are getting a hundred percent increases on some of their policies. Um, and so That's it's insane. like, like we have a client literally that went from $860 a year to $3,600 and that's the cheapest option. Oh my God. It's like, how do you bridge that gap? That's a really tough conversation. Yeah. One of which they're considering selling their home because mm -hmm. it's that detrimental to them. Wow. And so having to sit on the phone with them and say, look, this is not a conversation, but I, I, I want to have, but I absolutely need to. And 
I'm going to take as much time with you as I possibly can to explain what's going on so you have the context uh, and then also see if we can brainstorm any potential way that, you know, this might really either, you know, if it's going to heavily negatively affect you and feel like see what you need to do or making sure you have every way possibly being able to pay for this premium and then empathizing with them, apologizing for this situation that they're in, not because you're taking ownership of it's it's not our fault but it's like i'm i'm really sorry you're dealing with this i resonate with that pain because it's i'm doing this on a daily basis now mm-hmm. uh, and just taking that time with them wow yeah it sounds like it, that's been a thing that's kind of a recent development with the florida market you yeah. mentioned is just that the rates are just going nuts mm-hmm. what do you think is responsible for some of that so i mean i could tell you exactly what's responsible for it um and this is where some of it's uh, not so much a hot take, but it, it has put some people in the line of fire. So um, the basic issue is what we, is litigation, so claim litigation. And so what's happening is, is there's a phenomenon uh, over the last 10 years, but primarily in the last five years, there's an, uh, essentially contractors have learned how to game the insurance claims system. And so uh, that's really what's kind of driving all of this. So this is a blanket statement. Not every, not every contractor is like this. Not every attorney is like this. I'm going to state that very clearly. This is just the general understanding of what's happening so that people can understand. So hailstorm comes through central Florida, uh, roofing contractors, as you see, go knock on the door. Hey, we can help you. You know, we're gonna look at the damage on your roof. We can help your insurance, uh, help you with your insurance company, getting your roof paid for the contractor then hire, uh, has the client, uh, the homeowner sign a contract called an AOB, an assignment of benefits where they give, uh, they assign the benefits of that claim to the roofing contractor so that the roofing contractor can then negotiate with the insurance company to get a settlement. So what happens is roof gets replaced uh, uh, or gets the claim gets denied by the insurance company. The roofing contractor now has uh, assignment of benefits, so they're able to actually uh, partner with uh, attorneys, and then the attorneys go into the insurance company. Uh, and then what happens is different complexities of those claims allow attorneys' fees to get multiplied Oh my God. And so that, that process happens. And so I don't know the, all the dollar amounts as far as that goes of what those fee multipliers look like, but that specific instance happened over a hundred thousand times in 2021. <sighs> yeah. Um, and then there's some crazy in Florida specifically in, in Florida. Jeez. And, and here's some crazy numbers tied along with that. So over the last 10 years, there's been roughly $51 billion in loss payout. Now, out of that $51 billion that's been paid, 71% of that $51 billion has gone to specifically roofer attorneys' fees. And then only, I think, 4%, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 8%, I'm sorry, 8% uh, has actually gone to the loss, like the damage itself. Oh, my God. And so it's, again, there's legitimate ones in there. Yeah. Illegitimate ones in there as well. So that's, you you know, that's where... The, you know, figuring out what that actual number is, but it's the dollar amounts that are just baffling to me. That's yeah, 30, the multipliers. Thirty-six billion dollars going to attorneys' fees. Again, legitimate or not, that's just the dollar amount, uh, and only about eight billion has actually gone to the homeowner for their repairs. Themselves. Which is what the yeah. purpose is in the first place. Yeah, it's it's just wild. In theory, yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, four billion dollars. Not that's uh, crazy. Yeah, uh, it's just a it's uh, so like. Those complexities alone, when you explain that to a client, now they kind of understand uh, of why their insurance premiums are going up or why there's mm-hmm. so many limited options. It doesn't fix that they may not be able to afford it because 
on top of all that, we have all of this inflation. It's one thing if their insurance premiums don't anything going up, but mm-hmm. gas, you know, food, transportation, I mean, all of it's going up. Everything, yeah. And so, like, some people just need to just, like, vent a little bit and talk on the phone, and that's that's what we do. Like, yeah. I I could easily go and say, like, you know, I got a, I got another call I got to take or whatever. It's like we, we schedule time to, like, sit on the phone with these people, talk with them, understand their situation, and just, like, empathize with them. Like, I've had a you know, client just kind of, like, cry on the phone because it's like they're it's a just tough situation it is and it's it's it really hurts like i, I mean I, I genuinely hurt for our clients because like we have clients that are on fixed incomes and this is something that like they're having to call their kids to help them and their kids live out of state and they have no idea what's going on they're like that and they're you know it's like this whole thing of my kids are frustrated with me because they don't think i'm managing my money well and it's like it's not it at all it's just my insurance has gone up and so they want to shop their insurance and so mm-hmm. I'm like tell them to call me and let's talk about it so i can help educate them i mean i don't technically get paid for any of that you know mm-hmm. my my what i get paid on is policy transactions not sitting on the phone and talking to people and so yeah. it's like those are the things that they really matter to me but because I'm acquiring them, I don't have to go close a policy now. I can actually yeah. just sit and build these relationships because just I have so much focus volume on the relationship right building. Yeah, uh, and that's something I've really enjoyed over the last several months is being primarily able to focus on that, uh, and we're seeing massive benefits from it. Uh, and on top of that, it's just like our uh, the agency itself is growing, but uh, I'm able to live that out in front of our just our employees and stuff and they're they're really like this is it's really cool to see because now they're they're focused on that as well like, yeah this is going to build uh you know the empire if you will <laughs> so, it's leading by example yeah, yeah. So. how big is your team so right now it's uh i actually just had to let go of somebody um so it's we're back oh, down I'm to, sorry to hear that yeah it's uh, it was an unfortunate situation but it's a good move overall um morale has significantly spiked um so we're it's an interesting space so we've got me and my agency admin chris right now mm-hmm. We are uh, looking at making an acquisition, hopefully, uh, or I should say technically a merger with another agency that might, um, but none of that is set in stone right now. Um, And then that's one of the big things now is we're just like trying to see how we could grow that way. As you know, like trying to find the right people uh, is one of the hardest things to do right now, uh, any kind of just labor in general. And so um, we're constantly looking to hire people, but... Um, at the end of the day, we want the right people, uh, yeah. and uh, our our people are going to get paid well. Uh, we, you know, one of the biggest things is uh, when I hired Chris, uh, we weren't profitable yet. Chris got a paycheck. I did not. Yep. <laughs> so, um, that was one. I've gone through that as a business owner yeah. as well. Sometimes yeah. it's got to be like that. Yeah, it's it's really rewarding to to be able to know you're providing an income from somebody. It sucks having to take away from yourself, but at the end of the day, like you build some really 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 strong relationships, and and I just vulnerable with them too. And I'm like, hey, like. I want to pay you more. I can't, but I want to let you know I'm not even taking anything. So mm-hmm. here's here's your income, and that's I mean that's literally how like bringing Chris on started. I, I knew what I needed, and I knew what the sacrifice I was gonna have to make to make that happen. Yeah, um, that's the whole the reason we started making acquisitions was to compound that growth as quickly as we could, so I could have a paycheck and all those things. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like it's working out. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. It's been a whole lot of fun. So another thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, kind of going back to what you had mentioned where you had that period where you really struggled with the balance of your Mm -hmm. kind of day-to-day life and a a few people in your life kind of helped you get back on track and you got to the point where you're a little more regimented and things are more sustainable. I'd like to talk about just what a day in the life looks like for you and you know, now that you have gotten regimented, what's a day in the life like for you? And then talk a little bit about kind of the motivations for getting to that point and the 
the positive changes that you've seen since you have gotten to that point a little bit more? Yeah. So one of the biggest things was, you know, consistency. And so, you know, I, I wanted to build a life that I could sustain. And so, mm-hmm. you know, creating a life like that is something that, you know, requires sustainability. So everything from income to just lifestyle itself. And so, um, one of the first things I really did was just, uh, having a very disciplined morning, like not even a day, just like, I want to have a very disciplined morning. And so there's debate on like, you know, having a morning routine versus just like, you know, I'm, I'm more of like the Alex Ramosi side of like, just get up and get to work kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and so that's really, that's what I do. So, so I, you don't necessarily have like a set, like 5am brush my teeth for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind no, of thing. No, I'm not that rigid. Um, I, it's so funny. My, my wife, this is like, this is one of our, our funny, like personal things is I literally get up, go to the bathroom and I open up my laptop and start working. Mm-hmm. Like I'm literally on my laptop by like five ten. Yeah. Um, I literally, and then I, you know, I, I have my actual like shower routine later in the day, but, um, so we have a t- 11 month old baby boy that, uh, it's just light of our life right now. And, uh, it's just, it's been a whole lot of fun being a dad. And one of the biggest things was I wanted to create a life that I, uh, can see him grow up. Um, but without my, you know, my business truly sacrificing more than it needed to. Um, and so one of the, the disciplines for me is, is just getting up before everybody else is up, but working at home, which is mm-hmm. a big thing. So, um, I get up 5.00 AM every day. He usually wakes up about seven thirty, eight o'clock. It's so a I get, solid couple hours to yeah, get some work done. Two and a half hours. Nobody's calling me. Nobody's emailing me. Uh, I do have a handful of clients in different you know, parts of the country or whatever that will respond to me if I need them or whatever. Um, but for the most part, that first two and a half hours, I really prep 90% of my day in that time. I get the emails responded to that I, that were after hours uh, that I didn't get or uh, start working on you know uh, quotes for our existing clients that need re- renewals or whatever we're doing. Um, really kind of plan that day out. Uh, as far as just getting things done so that when I get to the office, I'm, I'm already like have momentum going. Um, then Henry, our our little man wakes up, uh, and I get to spend like a solid hour with him, you know, give him breakfast, all that allows my wife to sleep a little bit. Cause she, uh, I don't like to call her stay at home mom because she still does work. Uh, it's a couple days a month, uh, really just take care of our healthcare. And it also gives her just something to do other than just be at home all day. Um, and she's good at what she does. Uh, but um, she's home with him most of the time. And so like, I, I value her being rested uh, and making sure that she has just like a, a, a quality sleep. That's on top of being pregnant. You don't sleep well. So, <laughs> um, so just trying to give her a little bit extra hour or so of sleep. You know, she'll come in around eight o'clock or so uh, while we're wrapping up Henry's breakfast. I'll go get in the shower and then I'm off to work by, you know, between 830 and try to get to the office between 830 and nine. Um, and then I'm, you know, head down hard charging from nine till 5 p.m., uh, and then, like I said, every now and then Chris will, will schedule in my day to go take a 10 minute walk. If we have a particularly mm-hmm. stressful day or whatever, he's just yeah. like, just take a break. You need one or whatever. And then, uh, typically I'm, I'm usually home, uh, try roughly by five or ever say between five thirty and six. Uh, it's funny. I have people that are long winded. So I'm like, I'm getting ready to pull in my driveway. You got 30 seconds to finish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, otherwise I'm going to have to hang up and like, I'll yeah. call you tomorrow. And so I've literally, uh, had a, uh, you know, uh, a high net worth client of ours calling me at 603 as I'm like walking in the door and I, you know, send him a voicemail and it's a hard thing to do sometimes. Uh, cause it's, you know, it's big premiums. It's, you know, high net worth clients. They, they require a lot, but mm-hmm. I send him a voicemail, send him a, Hey, I'm, I'm just got home. And they, I've set that precedent with most of my clients right. where they just understand that and like, no worries. We'll touch base tomorrow or this is emergency. Okay. Here's what you need to do. 
you know, and I, I give them that quick text or whatever, but like, that's the, like I, I have, I give myself a small window to, to handle one or two things as I'm walking in the door if that's if it's an emergency. But other than that, like phones down, hanging out with our, our baby boy, you know, have dinner, all that stuff. And then uh, spend time with my wife after our you know son goes to bed and uh, start the day all over again. Yeah. So it's something I've gone through a little bit with, uh, with our staffing business, because at, at first it was like, especially cause we got started with a couple of huge contracts when we first got started. So at first it was just all hands on deck all the time. We were meeting at like over the phone at like 8 PM, mm-hmm. like a few nights out of the week and weekends were not weekends. It right. was just, it was every day was a work day. And now we, we've gotten a couple things a little bit more automated, mm-hmm. put some people in place that help us out with different aspects and it's it does allow you to just be a little more sustainable with it because i went through a similar thing i found myself getting really burned out in different parts and i didn't have attention to give to the things in my life that i wanted to be able to give attention that gave me that i was passionate about that gave me a little more meaning than just working yeah speaking of that you there's something we haven't touched on at yeah. all yet that's very important to you, which is music. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a very musical family. Uh, my dad was uh, a musician all through from you know young. Uh, he was in the, in the navy. Actually, played in a navy band that played all over. Oh, like, cool! All over Europe and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, super cool. Just kind of a unique thing. Kind of a cool fun fact. Uh, my dad was actually in France on uh, the USS Saratoga, I believe. When I was born, I actually did not meet my dad till I was three months old. Oh, wow. He was just going on tour. Um, and uh, But he was a musician. And one of the really cool things that my mom sent me probably a year or two ago was a letter. One of the first letters he sent to me from France. And he was talking about how we're going to start a family band and all this stuff. And I, I actually I talked about me specifically playing guitar. And that's literally like I, we had no guitar players in our family. And so I actually ultimately wanted to pick up a guitar at age, like age seven, I got my first guitar. Wow. And so I, I played all through, you know, growing up in high school. And, uh, and then when I moved out to Florida, I got kind of burnt out cause I just didn't really enjoy the, and I thought the insurance industry was boring and wasn't cool. And I was hanging out with a bunch of musicians cause I just like, those are, I found some friends in that space and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be, a, I want to be a musician. I want to write music. I want to play music, all that stuff. Uh, and really just kind of like, let the in- insurance stuff kind of just go to the side. Um, and I just dove into the music and went all in. I mean, same thing with the same discipline of just like, this is going to be my career path. I'm going to make it work. And uh, got to do some really cool things with that. Uh, got to do some small tours, open up for some big, you know, I played a lot of country music, you know, being from Texas and love you know, cool. that whole thing. I was just in Nashville. Nice. Yeah. I love Nashville. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in Nashville, Memphis. Um, and, one of the really cool opportunities I got was I, I won a, like a raffle and got to do like 10, I think it was 10 one hour sessions with, uh, it's actually Carrie Underwood's guitar player. Oh, wow. Uh, super cool. Really nice guy. Uh, and he just kind of like, uh, he's just an amazing musician. Uh, and then just has all this, all this knowledge that he's just, one of the things that in these conversations with him, I was like, Hey man, I'm really trying to make a career out of this. What do I need to look for? Like, what does this look like? And he's like, well, depends on what you're wanting out of it. And he was just really candid with me because I was like, I, you know, I, I, I think I have what it takes, but I, I ultimately, I want to know what, you know, you're at, you're at the top. So like, what does this actually look like? And he's like, well, he said, you know, traveling with Carrie has essentially gone for a year and a half to two years at a time. Uh, and he's like, you know, 
get a flat rate salary and it wasn't a lot. Uh, and he's got a wife and kids less than you expected. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's less than six figures, which is yeah, wild. To that me. is insane for that, uh, that level of commitment. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, and when she's not touring, I'm not getting paid. So I have to figure out other ways to make money. And I was wow. like, okay, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that gave me a lot of clarity of like, okay, so I really enjoy music. I don't want I want to have a family. I want to have all those things. I do want to make a lot of money because I want to have the autonomy to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to have the autonomy to help my kids do what they want to do. And if that's not the case, I know writing music could get me there, but that's too big of a bet that I don't know if I can count on. Like, cause it's just the happenstance of getting the right song with the right publishing and to get it picked up by the right artist and it then hitting it number one. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a whole lot of variables that I have zero control over. Yeah. i uh, like, and so I was like, all right, I need to kind of rethink this. And so um, I ended up coming back to Florida uh, and decided to dive all in on the insurance business because I knew I could do it well if I really focused it like mm-hmm. I did with my my music man or anything that I was doing. And so that's when we, I just went all in on like, all right, this is a skill set that I'm going to really curate to be as high level as I possibly could, uh, which started the path of the unhealthy side of it. But uh, ultimately, I'm very thankful for that process because I learned so much what has created my career path now on, mm-hmm. on the insurance agency side. Learned so much in that that time period. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, kind of just in the, the vein of creating the life you want, there is one thing just on the subject of work, work-life balance, kind of a little nugget that you mentioned earlier, the mm-hmm. golden handcuffs. Yeah. Just... Um, kind of a, a cautionary tale, I guess you could say. Could yeah. you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So one of the big things is, is like in our industry, um, the way our, uh, we're paid, uh, we're paid bigger commissions on new business and smaller commissions on renewal business. So there's a lot of motivation to sell new business. Right. And so I had these conversations with agents all the time of like taking that approach, uh, again, to an unbalanced period and their frustration of like, I've got all these bills I got to pay. And so they've had these, like, I'm glad I'm really good at this industry because I can make a lot of money doing it, but it's those golden handcuffs of like, if I stop doing it, I'm not going to make as much. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was something that I did not want to have to be, have to do. I want to be able to like take a break, take some time off, spend time with my family or whatever. And I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you can't afford me because my autonomy is it's a priceless thing for me. And you can't afford my autonomy. Like yeah. even if you offer me a million bucks a year and you're still telling me what to do, it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, there's gotta be a point like that. If you really value being able to do the things that you want to do, which is what led you to want to make the money in the first place. You can't let the wanting to make the money defeat the purpose of making the money in the first place, right. which is having the flexibility, being able to do the things you want to do. Yeah. And so that, you know, one of the big things for me is, uh, I, I enjoy making money because it's, it's a direct, uh, I guess reward for my efforts. Um, but ultimately it's a way for me to be able to help people. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Like when we, with the claims business, we were doing roughly a quarter million a year, like clockwork, just doing big numbers. But we, my wife and I loved just doing stuff for people, giving stuff away, uh, you know, uh, paint, like just love taking people out to, to lunch or dinner or whatever, and just never letting money be the issue. Um, one of the big things was uh, in my later in my my claims career, me and one of my best friends, uh, he was moving to England for school for a, a year or something like that. And it was right around New Year's, and I was like, 
let's go to London for New Year's. And I was like, I'll, I'll foot the bill. Like, let's just go. And so we had a, a crazy 10 days in London. That was just one of the, one of the most memorable moments, moments of my life. He wouldn't have been able to afford to do it on his own. So I was like, let's just go and have fun. Like, cause mm-hmm. it, we had, a, we, we went to like this, uh, like, uh, I think it was Woodrow Wilson's like cigar lounge over there or something really, cool. something different, you know, just kind of unique where like it was, 25 pounds a person just to sit at a table and then oh, wow. the cigar and the whiskey, which ended up being like, you know, 200 plus uh, mm-hmm. for the night. Uh, it was one of those things I, I always joke with him, like, cause he knows I was just wanted to be generous and stuff. And so when the waitress came up, uh, she's like, how do we like the bill? And I said on two and he panicked cause he's like, I don't have the money. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just kidding, man. Like, let's yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he, he, that's one of mine and his just like favorite moments. Cause he, I was literally in the conversation of just like, man, I'm so thankful I get to have this opportunity and ability to be able to do this mm-hmm. and then literally like saying like two two checks <laughs> so, <laughs> i gotta get over to london i've never been but i actually found out just via 23 and me <laughs> that that's like the primary area of my ancestry wow so I, I think it'd be cool to just check it out and i've heard incredible yeah things. it's 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 massive we we were there for 10 days and we we maybe slept four or five hours a night and wow. never and we were like, and that was just being in our flat that we stayed in. And I still think we missed probably 50% of it. Like, yeah. It's just so, it. it's so big. Uh, we, we ended up going to, uh, you know, a football game there, you know, soccer game. Very there. cool. They found out we were from Florida. So like they all loved Jaguars. So that was like a. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause the Jaguars. Yeah, came yeah. I'm a Jaguars fan. Cause Same. I'm from Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've been a Jaguars fan for forever, but that was good Jags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I actually, ha- I actually got to go to the inaugural game for the Jaguars. Wow. And my mom worked for the marketing company and they were just like, we're giving tickets to everybody in their family that works here at the That's marketing awesome. firm just to get people in the stands. And so got to actually go to that very first uh jaguars game but yeah it's a cool thing being being a floridian in london they're just like oh jaguars yeah 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 cool <laughs> yeah i don't know why it is the jaguars that they chose but they yeah. they go there every year i think yeah. that's yeah. very cool as long as they still keep them in jacksonville and right. don't try to bring them over to yeah. london because there's yeah. been talk about yeah. that shotgun's gonna be crazy for taking them over. yeah no he he better not he yeah. better not i need yeah. to be able to go to jaguars games yeah yeah <laughs> but very cool well, there's a, a couple questions I like to ask in every interview and just to kind of like set the the tone of, of how you view professionalism, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The first one is if you, you know, you've gone through a few periods in your life where you've had big ups and downs and learned a lot of things, kind of gained some wisdom over the years. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time to a young Zach as he was getting into the industry, maybe like 16 or even 18 when you were getting your license, mm-hmm. and just bring with you some of the wisdom and the tips that you've learned through their, your ups and downs that you've gone through in the industry, what are some things that you would tell him to do differently? Yeah, so from a very practical standpoint, tax planning, that's a huge thing. Uh, when you make more money, all the taxes get more way more complex, oh, and yeah. there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, from just a just a, a life standpoint, uh, find the things that you can do for 30 years and do those things. Like um, those are sustainable. If you can do those, I mean, if I would have done those for 10 years, man, the the places I probably would be now as far as just what we've created, um, even doing that for the last couple of years has been just compounded. I can only imagine what 10 years ago looked like. Yeah. So um, that's a big thing. I, one of the biggest things I talk about with people is just like find something that's an, you know, a massive action that you can sustain over a 30-year period. Now that looks very different for a lot of people. You can't run 10 miles every day for 30 years, but 
you know, some people might, but for me, I'm not that person. I could probably run a mile every day for 30 mm -hmm. years though. And that's going to be consistently better for my health than if I don't do it at all. So yeah. Focus on sustainability. Yeah. Sustainability. That's going to bring growth over time. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And then another question that I ask in every interview, this is called profession session. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what does being a professional mean to you personally? So, uh, I would say the, f the probably the first thing is mostly just making sure you really care. There's a, you know, every profession has to go through that. Like I got to show that I care, but if I actually care, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a significantly better job at what I'm doing. Um, and then making sure you relate that care to people, um, you know, having the, the empathetic conversations, e expressing that sympathy with those people, but then also e expressing those wins with people too. Like that's a big deal. Um, and so when you can resonate with people that you actually care, it, it hardly ever takes words at that point. It just, it's just the action and your character kind of just shines from that. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, yeah, the the thing I like about that question is you get a very different answer from everyone. It means something different to everyone. I really like that though. Yeah, that ties in very well to your story too. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, if you really actually care, it it's kind of it's very natural at that point to do to do what's necessary. It makes it easy to do your job too. Yeah, it does. It, you just you you have no problem hopping on the phone with somebody that's having a hard time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a ninety percent of my business. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Zach, anything else you would want to leave the audience with? Any parting wisdom? Man, um, I I don't really think so. And I I'm very thankful. We for covered the a lot. Yeah, we did, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Uh, I love, you know, uh, I think a good uh, direct message strikes again. It's, it's yeah, like, um, yeah, yeah. We should we should tell that story real yeah. quick, just on a, yeah. a wrapping up note. Yeah. So you kind of just came across the podcast through my reels on Instagram and TikToks that I put out. I think. Yeah. You mentioned that you saw one on Instagram and then again on TikTok. Yeah. And so you just decided to message me and we had a conversation from there. We talked for maybe an hour on the phone and yeah. kind of like got to know each other and just felt like a really good fit from there. Yeah. Uh, I've always had the, you know, wanted to do something like this, but just get on and talk with somebody, you know, uh, I know the, the, and there's benefit from it, but also just like, I love the idea of just conversing with somebody that's in that space of wanting to, to do that sort of thing. And, um, you know, coming across it, the, the hot take that got me was about the, you know, Orlando becoming Las Vegas and Miami, the, you know, Manhattan kind of thing. Yeah. And, or the wall street or whatever. And, uh, it's really funny. I've just, I'd been having conversations with my brother-in-laws who are all in, in the finance space and a handful of people. I'm like, Miami is the lower Manhattan for mm -hmm. sure. I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, if, if you haven't seen Brickell Avenue in the last several months, it is 100% wall it's street. Insane. It's <laughs> insane. It's yeah. beautiful too. The architecture yeah. and everything. Oh, I, I love that area. It's yeah. bustling. Yeah. It's definitely, it, it's my last trip down there. I remember thinking like, man, I feel like I am in New York city right now mm -hmm. I'm walking around. It's just now it's got a nice ocean shopping breeze. district and yeah. everything. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's like, like the, the one big thing New York city was missing, I guess. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's literally, it's the best, it's the best of both worlds down there. And then on top of that, you just, what's well, funny now is you've seen so many New Yorkers in the Northeast coming down there. So it's mm -hmm. like, all right, it feels a little bit more like New York now. Exactly. It's, it's just got, you know, people just kind of walking everywhere and you got, you see here, the Northern accents and all that stuff. So yeah. It's actually really, it's a lot of fun. So very cool. Yeah. Well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on here. This has been a really awesome conversation. I learned a lot about that. I did not know at all about the insurance industry. Yeah. And I'm a plethora of information for that stuff too. I, I love, I genuinely love it cause I've, I've just spent so much time in it. So anybody have any questions, I'm, I'd be happy to 
you know, just have a conversation, whatever. Absolutely. And speaking of that, I will be putting all of your information in the description if you're watching on YouTube or the show notes if you're listening on audio. And uh, you can find Zach on Instagram or probably a few different other things as well. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. I, I do have a TikTok, but I don't really post on there. So I don't tell people to go find me because there's sure. nothing interesting. But uh, it's 90% of just me and me and our, my family. So uh, mm-hmm. we just I don't do a whole lot of business things on there. Every now and then I will. But most sure. part, that's just I mean, social media is just for me to keep up with my family in Texas and my, my friends around you know, all over the U.S. and stuff. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll put everything in the description, like I said before. And uh, my guest has been Zach Hovelman. This has been Profession Session. We're going to go ahead and sign off there. Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We can be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for Profession Session, DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking